0: My guest today on on Dan's podcast is Alan Patrykhoff, who has spent a lifetime in Wall Street as a venture capitalist and is um, very well known for one of the largest uh, investment firms that were ever created on on Wall Street. Uh, He's written a book about his life called No Red Lights, which uh, I want to start out, sir, by asking you uh, what... why you say that maybe uh, no red lights might be another way of saying it Uh, I mean um, no lights not no red lights but maybe so tell me a little bit about the book and why you entitled it what you did
1: well no red lights was uh, my selection because it's uh, as I reflected on my own life I really haven't let anything stand in my way and I uh, feel that I've taken advantage of every opportunity I have had, whether it's in my business life uh, specifically, but also in, my, in politics and in theater and art and in international activities and in car collecting uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, long distance running. I've tried everything. and. Uh, And I continue to do that. I I started my first firm when I was 36, uh, after having uh, been uh, employed for four different firms before that. And uh, I started my second firm in 2006 at age 72. And I started my third firm, Primetime Partners, uh, two years ago at 85. And uh, I clearly if you read the book, uh, would say that you'll find that I uh, have had a curiosity level and uh, a openness to new ideas that uh, has has convinced me that my life has no red lights. And uh, uh, I'm 87 now, Uh, I'm training, I don't know if I'll make it, I'm training to do the marathon, to walk it, uh, in uh, November after having run it five times previously when I was in my uh, 40s. Uh, I'm going to a, do a crazy thing. I'm going to Burning Man out in the desert in August. And uh, that's the way I live my life. And uh, I wrote the book because I wanted to inspire two areas, two 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 segments of the population. One was young people, uh, not well-defined, but, you know, probably in their 20s or 30s who are in their early stage of their career, to not get hung up on one specific aspect of their life, but rather remain open and, in fact, uh, proactively try to make their life a more well-rounded one. And uh, uh, on the other side, I, as I say, the bookends uh, the other bookend is to say, you know, when your firm says to retire at 60, that there's forced retirement, or that you're thinking of that in your 60s, to think about the fact that uh, there's a big life ahead of you, and you uh, could very easily start on a second or third career, as I have, and you might do it in the same field uh because you have a lot of experience or you might have had a dream all your life of doing something else being a concert violinist or being a long distance runner or you know going to law school I don't know but uh you know with lifespans now running uh well over 100 uh the prospects for people for the number of people are going to be over 100 in the next five or six years is pretty staggering you know, at 60, you've only, you know, you've only done 60% of your life. (laughs) So so my attitude is uh, even at 80, I intend to live to 114. So I've got 27 years left. I I Why
0: 114, what does the magic know that?
1: I heard a gerontologist at Mount Sinai say that about 15 years ago and said we could all live to 114. The only reason we didn't is because we had cancer, tuberculosis, uh, pneumonia, whatever else can hit you, uh, uh, and and perhaps accidents, and they all detract from the target. Uh, I've had several of these maladies, but I do I like the idea of going for 114, Thanks. and so I convinced myself, and have said it so many times that I almost believe it that I'm going to live that long. Uh, and I think today, if that same lecture were given, they'd probably say you can live to a, a 120 uh, life. Uh, you know, I've even heard c- crazy ideas that some kids joined born today will live to 150. I don't know; seems a little far stretched, <laughs> but uh, who knows? With scientific developments and uh, new way people are living today, anything's possible.
0: Talk a little bit about uh, politics and uh, why, why was that? Why, how that fit into all this?
1: Well, I wouldn't say it necessarily fit in. It it was a piece of the puzzle. I mean, uh, I think it's hard to uh, be aware of what's going on in the world and not have some interest in politics and and participate in some way, whether it's in a political action group or whether supporting a candidate at any level, whether it's you know local local or national i think getting involved and seeing how our governments are run is a very valuable exercise for anybody
0: one of the one of the uh, things people say about the, your life is to try and find something you really enjoy doing and then make it work so you can be very enthusiastic about your day day after day and uh, i thought to, given that to ask you and Tell, us, tell, us, tell me briefly about each of briefly, like a couple of sentences, about each of the three businesses you founded and how they differ with one another.
1: Well, you listen, you're a perfect example of someone who found something they love, <laughs> stuck with it. Uh, my first firm was called uh, Alan Patrick of Associates, and then the name was changed to Apex as we got bigger. And we uh, were started out as a venture capital firm, and today it's a very, very large private equity firm, and which was one of the reasons why I stepped aside in two thousand in the early two thousands uh, because I really got more enjoyment out of startups and early stage companies. and uh, so I, after a brief respite of a few years where I, did a lot of pro bono work for the uh, IF International Finance Corp and the World Bank. I uh, traveled around the world trying to stimulate entrepreneurial development. I decided to uh, start a new firm, Greycroft, which was went back to my roots and was a pure venture capital firm. That firm has now grown to the point where uh, it is becoming... Uh, also, a much more later stage firm, and so uh, I became fascinated with the whole subject of uh, the aging society, and decided to start a firm uh, two years ago with a younger partner to focus on investing in any product, services, technologies, experiences that related to uh, the uh, what I call the ageless baby boomer generation of which you and I are part.
0: I was reading about, um, some of your greatest hits, uh, in, in uh, and, uh, there was one that you wished you had had that I want you to talk about. I don't remember which one it was, but you seem to feel that you somehow missed the boat, but you thought about it and decided, no, what was that?
1: That was Starbuck. Uh, <laughs> And it was because it was brought to me by someone in our office on the West coast. And I couldn't relate to the idea of starting up a chain of coffee shops in New York. When at that time there were two coffee shops on every block. You you know, I I used to go to chock full of nuts every single morning before I went to work. And uh, In the 1980s, when Starbucks came about, there was a a three unit or four unit coffee chain in Seattle. And I just didn't, I was too parochial in looking at it. And I didn't realize that it was not a coffee shop, but rather rather a community, a way of congregating, of interacting with people. And uh, it was more for hanging out as opposed to uh, quick lunch, luncheonettes that were the main focus in New York. So it was really being parochial, I think. And, and I learned from that not to think about what necessarily is good for me or good for the world I live in, but really what might have a bigger market opportunity.
0: Was there uh, anything you took a good bet on that everyone said, don't do it, but you did it? That you can think of that stands out.
1: Well, when we went into the cellular business. Uh, no one had any expectation that cellular would be as big as it is today. Uh, that was the early 80s year before. It so was like 80, 81, or 82. Uh, uh, at that time, people were using, to whatever extent, the radio telephone, uh, which were klutzy instruments and bad reception, and. Uh, uh even AT&T and Motorola which were the leaders in the field estimated that the penetration would be one or two percent and I have to tell you it's now been probably closer to 100 percent penetration of cellular so uh there was a case of you know better technologies and uh uh understanding what the market potential was if this technology were available and uh so it's we 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 made a big success out of that investment.
0: It seems that there are a couple of standout individuals who, when they were younger, and even now, have becoming tremendously successful. I was, and some of them I think of as geniuses. Um, and I wanted to mention uh, Elon Musk and also. Founder of Apple, whose name at the moment escapes me.
1: Steve Jobs. No, you're right. In my opinion, those are two brilliant, irascible uh, individuals who uh, think out of the box and have broken new ground in 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 all the areas they've been involved in. So you've got to hats off to them.
0: Oh, well, is there anything? at the moment, I guess you don't want to share what you have and what you think is going to do. What, would uh, that would probably start a stampede in some way. Like, who was it who once said that if you ever see a stampede, you 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 missed it? So it is a bandwagon. That was the quote. I forget which. Uh...
1: No, but uh, you know, I don't think there's anyone, anything that's obvious. I mean, you know, it could be solar. It could be space. It yeah. Could be Hydrogen fuels, uh, new forms of batteries. I mean, that's what's great and exciting about this country. There's always new technologies on the horizon.
0: I wanted to ask you how you got interested in all of this in the first place. You were, I read in your biography that you were a New Yorker, and uh, you went to uh, uh, Columbia and uh, uh, and did business uh, business school and so forth, and. Where did you go after after that uh, in your life, and what were you thinking?
1: Well, I went to Ohio State. Yeah. And then I went to Columbia.
0: Right.
1: You know, I I from the beginning I had kind of focused on the financial area as my career choice, but I also, as I said to the beginning, uh, I led a very I have led a very diversified life, and do that to this day. Uh, my life doesn't center around finance or venture capital. It, it has many more facets to it. And I think that's that's what I hope uh, my book will uh, inspire people, uh, young ones and older ones, but for two different stages of life. Uh, and that's really what counts now. It's not your age, but your stage. You know, you, you are whatever you are in age, but the stage you're at is a, uh still an active one. Right. There are other people who have maybe the same age but they're inactive or they're in transition or they're preparing for you know going to play golf all day.
0: Uh, speaking of which well, what brought you out here to the Hamptons the first time you came?
1: My first wife brought me out there and actually she brought me out here to see the place because she had a young girl had gone to the Anita Zahn School of Dance when she was, uh, I guess, even less than a teenager and uh, remind, remembered the area fondly. And we drove out here, and that was my first exposure. Uh, my second one was 10, 15 years later when I came out. I had been living in the upstate New York uh, on the weekends, but decided that the Hamptons were a much more attractive area for uh, bringing up children and a family and and building a life so
0: uh, did you make it your home uh, year-round or t- just to come and go
1: just come and go but during covid i spent a fair amount of time here yeah.
0: well we i we all did i certainly did too well i is there anything else is there a parting word that you can tell me about that uh would be on your mind at this point and it will wind things
1: up. I'd like to encourage people, as I say, with the book, with this book is for younger people to keep their eyes open, be curious, be open to opportunities and, uh, and seek out opportunities. And for uh, the ageless generation uh, to not look at life as being over when you have your first, when your first chapter of your life or your your you know in your 60s uh if you find yourself uh, at the end of your of a career there's, there's it's never too late to start again in some area and i think that that in itself will enable you to stay alive a lot longer if you think about it if i'm my crazy idea of 114 makes any sense or 120 at sixty, you've only lived half your life. Yes. So People should think early about what they want to do with the with the last half of their life.
0: Well, I, I want to thank you for coming on this show. I'm talking to Alan Patrykov, uh, who's had a remarkable life and has come out with a new book called No Red Lights. And thanks for being here.
1: Uh, well, you can buy it at Bookhampton or uh, or online. Yep. Good to talk. Thanks for
0: Start having me. See you up at the Atlantic. Bye bye.